Oh, shit, I didn't write an intro. Uh, I'm just going to wing it. We can have the intro just me reading the names of the XFL draftees in order. Only if we, like, ring a bell after each one as if they've died. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm into it. I don't have a bell, but just, you know. <laughs> Landry Jones, Dallas Renegades. Ding dong. Cardale Jones, DC Defenders. Dong. Philip Walker, Houston Roughnecks. Luis Perez, Los Angeles Wildcats. Matt McGloin, New York Guardians. Brandon Silvers, Seattle Dragons. Jordan Tom. We will never forget all your incredible contributions to the world of of Aaron sport Murray. that it will exist for like <laughs> six months. Tampa Bay Vipers. Richard Davis, wide receiver, DC Defenders. Connor Cook, quarterback, Houston Roughnecks. D'Angelo Yancey, wide receiver, New York Guardians. Jeff Bidet, wide receiver, Dallas Renegades. Nick Truesdale, tight end, Tampa Bay Vipers. Christine Michael, running back, St. Louis Battlehawks. Trey Williams, running back, Seattle Dragons. Elijah Hood, running back, Los Angeles Wildcats. If this goes for 30 seconds longer, I'm going to pull up taps and we're actually going to play this shit. <laughs> I only got through the first two rounds of the draft. <laughs> Weird! I only got through 16 of the 560 names. All these men lost at sea. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe all every XFL player is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where were you when the XFL died? I remember. Some of you don't. John, John, there's your episode title. Where were you when the XFL died? Okay, this needs to stop now. I'm doing an intro. This week... We're entering into the third week of the Wednesday Night War, and what does it all mean? We got all the ratings in, we got everything to talk about with AEW Dynamite and NXT, and even some XFL! What have I gotten myself into? XFL? We'll figure it out tonight on Hue Alternative. One and all, it is Wednesday, October 16th, 2019, and welcome to episode 3 of Heel Alternative, Pro Wrestling.cool's Posse podcast that covers AEW Dynamite, NXT, and other happenings in the wide world of professional wrestling outside Vince's purview. Heck of a show for you tonight. Dear God, why have we read all of these XFL names? Let's just get right on into it. I'm your host, John Garrick C. Maxwell, joined, of course, by Trace Evans. Hey, how's it going? Um, I can't believe Connor Cook's dead. Oscar Bernard, why did you kill all of the XFL players? Oscar Bernard, 
wide receiver, Metalworks <laughs> Institute. Ding! Ding! <laughs> That's all we got? <laughs> That's all we got. I'm not going on it. Moment, I, I had a moment of silence for him, damn it. It's true. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry. That was a momentary pause to recollect. I'm, I, I apologize profusely. I can't believe they uh, all died on Titanic 2. Uh, look. Is that where we're going killed- the XFL now? I mean, sure, why not? Let's be fair, it's tight. Let's be fair, it would be more on brand to call it Hindenburg 3. Fair, yeah. Because let's not forget that before the original XFL launched, their fucking blimp blew up and caused like a million dollars worth of damage. Oh, jeez, I forgot about that! I forgot about that too. Oh my god. I actually have a question here. Do we know how much, like, the Titanic and uh, the Hindenburg cost to build in, like, modern day dollars because i do wonder if like they cl- close to approach a hundred million dollars because i really want to know if this is going to be like the most expensive obvious failure in the history of ever uh adjusting for inflation the original titanic would have cost 180 million dollars to make damn okay it was 7.5 million in 1912 huh That's all right incredibly expensive even in 1912 that is ridiculously expensive uh, they're making Titanic 2. I, I told you, that's where they're going to die. And they're spending $500 million on the ship. Is Titanic 2 not just a, a sci-fi original movie made by Asylum? <laughs> uh, the... Hmm. I, you know, there, there's still time if they need like extra funding. Just, just get Asylum on there and <laughs> sink the fucker. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, film, but it's also an insurance reason. And they'll throw in a CG shark for no extra dollars. I that tried looking. Yes. I tried looking up how much would the Hindenburg cost to build on Yahoo Answers, and the top <laughs> answer is just too much. It's not wrong, and also, I mean, look, Oscar, as, as we both know from experience here, Yahoo Answers has some of the best questions on there. Yes. <laughs> uh, but but apparently the Hindenburg would have cost about fifty million to make. Okay. okay, so that's more on par. All right, so the XFL is two Hindenburgs and about half a Titanic. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, see, we are not only giving you the most interesting facts on uh, Hugh Alternative, we're educating you and teaching you all the happy, fun things in the world of professional wrestling. Since we've gotten already into talking about this, we might as well move into our first topic here, which is, hey, we're bringing back an old favorite from uh, the website days when we used to, like, actually write about Raw, because, you know, that's something I actually thought would be a good thing to do before I decided I didn't hate myself that much anymore. Uh, It's the Rapid Fire Roundup! We're just going to cover a couple topics, uh, just, like, all quick-like and stuff. And since we're already talking about it, like, let's get into the first one here. Oscar, you're a resident XFL expert. You're yeah, I am a... the resident XFL expert. Let's tell me about the draft. Uh, so, yeah, so the XFL had their draft over the last couple of days. In... You read us a smattering of the 500 million names. Yeah, so 560 names were drafted across 70 rounds. 525,600 players. How do you measure Uh, a bad football league? You know, look, the NFL's already a bad football league. Got him. Um, yeah, basically, 
basically the, the draft was split into five things. Phase one was skill players. Phase two was offensive linemen. Phase three was defensive front seven. Phase four was defensive backs, and phase five was op- was just an open draft that went on for thirty rounds, where you could draft players like long snappers, punters, place kickers. Um, hey, to their credit, it sounds more organized than WWE's draft. Yeah, <laughs> no this this is this is almost like it's a real sport. Uh, there were no blockbuster moves, which involved them splitting up a team to draft into two parts onto the same show, and then giving that team away for future draft considerations down the line. Look, Who would do that? That sounds very weird. Look, you just don't understand the moves that these heavy hitters are making of maybe getting a thing in the future if someone remembers it. Um... But yeah, basically each team, they've now got 71 players, and the idea is that by the time the seed, the league kicks off in 2020, that it'll be 52 players. Okay, that's fair. I hear it's a, f- a football team. Yeah, no, it's, um, look, this is all, at, at the end of the day, like, this is all just straight up sports. I've, I uh, still have an important question about all of this, though, that I feel like this draft doesn't actually answer for me. Yeah, what's up? Why is this happening? Uh, well, you know, back when the XFL was announced in 2018, um, there was a lot of controversy around the NFL. And a lot of I do people... remember the question being asked, why football man no stand? <laughs> <laughs> and so the XFL's the league where football man must stand. We pay you to stand, football man. Please stand. But but also it's the football league where they won't drug test you. All right. Well, <laughs> I cannot wait for my coked up defensive ends. God damn, it's gonna be so cool. And also originally, seventies all pol- over again, baby. Hell yeah. There was originally a policy where. Where any player with a criminal record wouldn't be allowed to play in the XFL, but then XFL Commissioner Sorry, Oliver Luck, who looks like, yeah, XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck, who looks like the guy that would play Jeffrey Epstein in a made-for-TV Lifetime movie. Are you still not sure? That, are you still sure that he's not Oliver North? <laughs> I, I'm looking at him right now, and I can confirm he is definitely not Oliver North. He might actually be Jeffrey Epstein though, in disguise. <laughs> So that's where they're hiding him. In the place where no one will ever notice him. Exactly. It's the perfect crime, John. I mean, it's It's literally, like, I'm I'm telling you, it's literally that or the Fiend murdered him because the Fiend is a pedophile hunter. It's it's why he's so concerned with letting people with criminal records play the XFL. I I now want to see this Fiend hunting down pedos uh, show. I actually think that'd be more valuable than anything they've done with him yet. I mean, it's already happened twice. It's already happened once. He killed the shit out of Jerry Lawler and laughed. That's true. God. You just had him hunt down neo-Nazis and pedophiles. Oh, wait, he's going for Seth Rollins anyway, so we're good. Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, but, but yeah, they, they walked back the whole thing about players with a criminal record not being allowed to participate, specifically so that teams can have Johnny Manziel, and then none of the teams picked up Johnny Manziel. Good job, everybody. 560 players, not one Johnny Football. I guess this just isn't real football, then. 
I, I just guess, like, I, if I'd gotten drafted, if I'd entered that draft and gotten picked, I could say I'm better than Johnny Manziel. I, I want to. I, God. You want it? Dang it, I missed an opportunity. Look, hey, maybe there'll be another season. <coughs> you could be the Mark Wahlberg in that Philadelphia movie. Oh. This could be you. Oh. The one about AIDS? <laughs> uh, the other Philadelphia movie, not the Oscar. one actually called Philadelphia. Rocky? Yes, actually. Okay, yeah, let's just go with Rocky so we don't have to keep searching down this path. Because I just like think- because just like Rocky, I'm pretty sure in, in that movie Mark Wahlberg loses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty sure. Like everyone old- in Philadelphia. <laughs> yep. The, o- the only hey, Philadelphia-related properties I can think of are the movie Philadelphia the Rocky movies, and the TV show Cold Case, which was severely underrated and was a great fucking TV show. You say this every time, and I just shake my fucking head. <laughs> I, I John, can't believe you didn't mention It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, really? kind of got Philadelphia in the name. <laughs> oh, yeah. You fucking pleb. New, se- new episode aired tonight, damn it. <laughs> I could be watching it right now, but instead I'm doing this podcast, which is arguably actually more fun. John, there's an episode of Cold Case that's basically, what if Rocky, but Rocky dies? I mean... Okay. So, basically, Rocky 4, but they follow Apollo. No, it's Rocky 5, but they actually follow through. Okay. Yeah, it works for me. We cannot go down a Cold Case hole here. Yeah, they're no, equal, this is not they're happening. They're equal okay. opportunists. There's a John Mellencamp and a Bruce Springsteen is it, episode. Is it bad that in spite of all of this horrible bullshit, in st- spite of all of this nonsense, I still kind of want to go to an XFL game just to see what the fuck this is? I'm so fucking into the XFL. I just want to sub- see if there's more than 30 people in the Seattle stadium. So, look, as someone that has seen every single televised minute of the original XFL and owns a fucking He Hate Me jersey, I'm into this fucking XFL bullshit. You don't say. They should bring He Hate Me back for commentary. But but also, you know, but also, you know what, though? The original ass XFL seemed like it would be a fun train wreck. This just seems like it would be a boring train wreck. But I need to see the train wreck for myself. That's the point. Oh, oh yeah, but like, I mean, this XFL, their whole thing's about how it's going to be family-friendly and everything. And let's face it, the best part... What do you remember from the original XFL? Yeah, but... I, I, okay, I remember yeah, the I initial, remember. like, um, race for the football where two men raced to see who would get possession in the first half. <laughs> and then, and they then all one died. of them got injured. <clears throat> one of them legitimately got injured and never played. Yeah. <clears throat> he never played football again. But yes, I do know what you're referring to, Oscar, of, hey, at halftime, we're going to go to the cheerleaders' locker room. Oh, shit, that stupid thing. Do you remember how that segment went? Not really. Okay. Uh, yeah, he Brace. got knocked out, and uh, there was a dream sequence, right? You, that's oh, that's that's not doing that segment justice. Okay, I just so they get this cameraman who's like they basically hire the ugliest looking dude they can, and Vince McMahon just spends the whole time making fun of him and calling him ugly. Such and then good he, shit, pal. 
he he pushes him towards the cheerleader's locker room. He's like, yeah, you go get me some ratings, damn it. And then, that's an actual quote, by the way. And then the door opens, knocks him out. And then there's a dream sequence where the cheerleaders are dressed as food, doing an interpretive dance. And then Rodney Dangerfield comes out of the shower. And he's just like, I get no respect. And this segment's like ten minutes long. And then... And then the camera guy... And then we cut back to reality and Vince is like, what happened? He's throwing water on his face. He's like, you're fired. And then the XFL went out of business. Yes, it did. I wonder why. I feel like I've just gone into on a peyote trip. (laughs) That's basically what it was. We, we we ought to talk about actual wrestling. Though. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm now completely understanding why Owen doesn't want you to talk about this show. So we're going to move on until there's some actual news on this terrible, terrible mistake that's happening and talk about uh, some actual wrestling things. Like, hey, maybe since, you know, we're the AEW and NXT podcast, maybe we should, like, I don't know, actually talk about, like, the ratings from last week and if we care or if we think that that means anything. I'm concerned, personally. Okay, let's hear it. Well, I mean, they there's a pretty significant drop. I mean, AEW is still over 1 million viewers. Yeah, it drops to about, like, 1.14 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's okay. You can... If it stays there, it's good. Yeah. If it starts dipping under 1 million, I'm going to start being a little worried, because this is good-ass wrestling, and it deserves a good-ass audience. It definitely does, but, I mean, is it it gonna be a big problem if, like, you know, just throwing it out there, like, the things that we did here from the beginning was that, like, uh, TNT was expecting, like, 600,000 viewers. Right, that's what I'm scared about, really. I Mm want to make sure they stay well above that, because if they stay well above that, then they're exceeding expectations, everybody's happy, everybody starts getting ecstatic about the stuff, and you don't have to worry about, like, Ah, we stakeholders expect consistent growth from this brand and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fair, fair. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, so... so, I wonder how this week will do, because they were heavily promoting it to have a very stacked card. Yeah, I mean, it has the first ever title defense. Two first ever title defenses. Yep. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, though, a lot of these matches, except for Jericho... The problem is X, or the problem is AEW doesn't really have the names that are going to bring in the mainstream audience so much outside of the initial morbid curiosity. Yeah, and that's going to have to be something. I mean, you can't fix that without working on it. You know, you can't you can't do the impact thing of just drawing in. Hey, you know this guy, and you know this guy. You need to actually cultivate. Yeah. Um, names oh, I, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that they're not just doing the uh, impact thing of having, you know, what's what's so and so doing in the AEW zone. Yeah, and when they do it, they do it sparingly, and like they do it like yeah. they make those peer characters have like impact. Yep, a Jake Hager, a John Moxley. Yep, yeah. exactly. You know, so, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just I'm just I I, I think. That I expect there to be a little bit of a slump at first due to that, but if they don't eventually start getting growth when people start realizing, hey, no, this is good-ass wrestling, and hey, these people seem interesting, and blah, 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 then is there any hope whatsoever? And 
I mean, it'll live. It'll exist. Like, they've already done enough that I think they're safe for a year or two at least. Yeah. Unless, even if something horrible happens, uh, aside from, like, a plane crash or the ratings going down to zero. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's something to keep an eye on, be a little concerned about. The You don't want to see it just keep slowing down and dropping. And that goes for NXT as well, which did have a significant drop. Although yep, they dropped down to 795,000. Yep, not so, good. Yeah, they're they're under the like that's less people than watched it when like they just randomly put NXT on USA like on a random Wednesday for that like WWE week like t- two years ago. Yeah, and to be fair, we did talk about the fact that NXT the second week head to head was not very good by comparison to the first week. Definitely, it definitely didn't feel like it had a lot of stakes aside from the opening match and the ending match. The middle was very slow. Yeah. That said, though, I feel like the ratings for a bad show are more reflective on the next week's ratings. True. Like and also, would... I was just going to say, also, I think that, like, NXT we do kind of have to take with a grain of salt in a lot of ways. Because, like, mm-hmm. I feel like USA is just going to stick with it no matter what. Even if the ratings get, like, unless the ratings get to be, like, super bad, which I don't think yeah. NXT does. Like, I am very curious to see what NXT's floor is. Because, like, I do wonder if it's going to be something like, you know, 600,000 or something like that. Although, apparently, mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing, like, I did hear some talk that apparently maybe less people are watching it than we're watching it on the network. That is very interesting here, well, actually. Well, I mean, the network had people internationally able to watch it. That's true. That is a good point. So, hey, but again, take this with a grain of salt. Like, I think that, yeah, like, USA is more going to stick with this just because, like, they don't got anything else on Wednesdays. And, like, it's WWE. They want to keep them happy. Yep, exactly. So, we'll, we'll see. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not I'm worried gonna, about NXT's future. Yeah, not at all. I'm going to guess their bottom is maybe 500,000. I could see that. Yeah, me too. Um... But yeah, because like, I don't know, I think maybe maybe a problem with NXT is kind of the same problem I was just saying with AEW. NXT, by design, doesn't have name stars. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, sure, if you follow indie wrestling, Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijakovic or whatever his fucking name is. Dijakovic. Dijakovic. You know, it's like... Fuck yeah, I'm all in for Keith for Keith Lee Dijakovic, and I'm all in for Walter. But it's like, if I'm just a casual lapsed wrestling fan, am I going to watch the show with Chris Jericho, or am I going to watch the show with some old-looking Austrian dude named Walter? And I, I guess I don't want to, you know, look. I, I guess I don't want to blow my load quite too quickly, but I might as well say it here because you bring it since you bring it up because it's a really good point. Like, so I watched a little bit of, of Power this week. Um, just I watched uh, Aaron Stevens do his thing. We'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But like mm-hmm. something you know I noticed there is just like you know how it, you remember how power feels with that studio feel of like you know the crowd there. It feels very intimate. It feels very like the, like you definitely hear the crowd them getting animated and everything. But like it it feels like it's not a lot of people there, right, Oscar? Yeah, no, it definitely feels like it feels like an old ass studio show. Yeah, and I watched, uh, you know, some NXT this week, and they had some segments where they would have, like, a video promo going on, uh, and, like, you know, you just, like, backstage or something, and, like, of course, because, like, the, they're now showing the crowd the shit on, like, the, the, the Titantron, and it's live, like, you hear people cheering. 
And all the stuff I want to hear people cheering, it just, all I could think of, it sounds like I'm watching Power. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the problem, I think, even more with NXT. Not even just that they don't have the starters, but, like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, like, Full Sail's kind of getting to be a problem. Because, like, it just doesn't have the feel. It it doesn't have, like, the big feel that, and that like, AEW does. And it doesn't, but it's not doing the thing where, like, it, it's not doing the thing like Lucha Underground did of, like, making that intimate thing feel like this is something underground. This is something, like, you know fucking not a lot of people are knowing about and like you're you're cool for knowing about it like or or even the thing that power is doing which is like this is small because this is what this was like in the 80s yeah like this is this is again like i feel like we've talked about before but it's like it's a show that doesn't know what it wants to be and it wants to have it both ways like it wants to be this like small underground thing while also having all the flair and polish of like actual wwe I feel like I feel like AEW or sorry I feel like NXT is almost there because WWE has an excuse either way. If NXT beats AEW in the ratings, great. It shows the power of the WWE brand. It shows we're the better show. If AEW beats NXT in the ratings, though, they can easily just fall back and say, "Well, it's our developmental show." Yeah, it's you know, right. it's it's our third brand, but it's not really our third brand. I'll it's, say this, ECW on Sci-Fi felt more like an actual third brand that they were trying to make seem like a big deal. interesting, but I feel like I think this is just a one, bougie move against another brand. Oh, it is, but but it's still though like uh, like ECW on Sci-Fi was filmed in arenas, had a big set. You know, they made a conscientious effort to make it feel big. See, I don't know about ECW. I, I think that was a whole... I don't really want to get into too much, but I feel like that was kind of... Eventually, it came to just feel like, okay, this is what we're going to show before we show the real shit to you. Oh, oh, absolutely. It became it became that. And, I, and I'll give NXT credit. They've made NXT feel like its own unique thing and not... It doesn't feel low rent like ECW on Sci-Fi. No, it definitely doesn't. Like even this week, it feels like they're you know, in, in as much as they can, they are trying to pull out as many stops as possible. But again, like ECW, what I was saying is basically NXT needs to have some of ECW on Sci-Fi's presentation to feel bigger. Yeah. Like the the sad thing is that like if NXT is gonna be something bigger than this and like actually step it up they're gonna actually have to leave they're gonna have to actually compete with with aew on their terms they're gonna have to actually go for like those same kind of mid-sized arenas and all that stuff but like who knows if nxt can even sell that out like it sound from everything i've been hearing like they're having trouble like selling out like their live shows but they sell out every takeover yeah they sell out every takeover but like a takeover is a special thing that happens like once every three months. Yeah. But, and well, is also and is also happening like the night before another big event. Which yeah, is a thing that they're attached. which a thing that they're suggesting they might not do anymore. Which, you know, wouldn't surprise me because my thought is they're probably gonna try and program him specifically to counter program fucking AEW shows. Oh yeah. How for did sure. how did TakeOver twenty five do in terms of attendance? Because that wasn't tied to anything. I think TakeOver twenty five did 
do really well. But I mean, again, it's in it was in Hartford, like not not exactly the easiest place in Connecticut to get to, but like it's you can get there. Um, but yeah, because like I don't know, I feel like. But if NXT, they could still follow the general touring pattern of Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, potentially. You know, like it's not like the it's not like the cities that they run Raw and SmackDown in don't also have those mid-sized arenas. Well, some of them, some of them don't actually. Like you know, that's honestly, it's kind of the problem of like as much as I really want AEW to come to New York, and you know, Cody's saying they're going to do that, like. You kind of got to sell a big out, like a big arena there, because like the only really mid-sized things are like things like Radio City. They're things where you don't really have like an actual arena set up. You have a, a theater. But I mean, like I fucking love Hammerstein have- Ballroom. If they did Hammerstein Ballroom, that would be fucking awesome, and I would be stoked to see that. But that's only like three thousand people. Yeah, it's way too small for what they're shooting for typically. NXT could run Hammerstein. Yeah, NXT could. Um, and probably NXT, NXT probably should tour. And if you want to keep your indie vibe, do have NXT go to places like Hammerstein or Twenty Three Hundred Arena. You know, you know that you get those fucking hardcore wrestling fans there. You definitely would. And it would freshen up the audience from full sale while still letting NXT look like we're a touring brand. Uh, do you think AEW could do MSG? I think it's. I think they kind of have to. Is the problem? It's like if they're gonna do if they're gonna do the the New York metropolitan area. Like again, you have to go big. Like they have to go big because they you know there's no real mid sized arenas that they can do. So it's either gonna be you're doing that, you're doing Barclays Center, or you're doing the Fleet Center in Newark, where the where the uh, Jersey Devils play. Like where where was Evolution? That was in Unionville, right? Yeah, that was in Nassau Coliseum. Because that's that that's probably a good mid-sized venue that they could do. I think Nassau Coliseum is bigger than that. I'm gonna actually look that up. But like, also, I'm throw it out there: Nassau Coliseum sucks. Sure, it, but like, it that sucks. Feels it like, sucks to get to. It's really annoying. It still feels like the kind of venue that AEW is running. Because Nassau, Nassau's 13. Yep, it's it's 13. Like, that's that's totally AEW's size that they're shooting for. Maybe a little bit bigger. It's a little like, bit bigger. But, like, it's still what I would consider a, mid, a mid-sized venue. But the problem is that, like, again, like, Barclays Center and, and Madison Square Garden aren't that much bigger. But they're more expensive. It's true, but, you know. You so, also are actually in New York instead of, like, sending people out to fucking Long Island. Yeah. I don't know much about the geography of New York City. It, let's just... It's honestly... It's more just, like... Madison Square Garden is, is obviously ideal because it's literally... Penn Station is right under it. It's, it is a big fucking transit hub right under it to New Jersey and a bunch of, you know, points elsewhere. Um, what else is there? Uh, fucking... Barclay Center is, you know, pretty easily accessible in Brooklyn. It's that's also pretty good. Uh, Fleet Center, not 
great because it's New Jersey, but it's easier to get to. Nassau Coliseum, you have to take a Long Island Railroad, and then you have to, like, travel to the stadium. It's not super easy. Traffic can be really fucking terrible. Getting back from there is a fucking nightmare. Uh, it's not the best experience. Hmm. But that's enough of my weird New York bullshit. What I'm curious about is if AEW comes to Toronto, I'm curious where they'll run. Hmm. Because it's Toronto, they could sell out the Scotiabank Arena, formerly known as the ACC. Like, they could sell out that 20,000-seat arena because it's a Toronto crowd. We don't get a lot, and we're a rabid crowd. Yeah, and I feel like maybe they could sell out. I, I think they could do okay at, uh, at like, Barclay Center or uh, Madison Square Garden. Like, yeah, the garden would be fucking expensive and probably a dumb thing to do unless, like, Tony's really willing to fucking shell it out just to say that he did it. But, like, I could see them potentially doing, like, 18,000 people. Yeah. Because, like, I, I, like I've, I'm sure if they come to Toronto, I could see them probably running Rico, which is 9,000. Like, do you, remember when they, do you remember when they did that roadblock pay-per-view that had Triple H versus Dean Ambrose? Yeah. That was at Rico. Okay. I did not go to that because... It, but, like, that's where, they do, that's where WWE does all their house shows. Mm. In Toronto. And so I wonder if that's the kind of place where AEW would run? It would make sense. I mean, yeah, like, the, the place that they ran in Boston this uh, last week, like, the the fucking arena where I went to all my college hockey games, uh, that's, that's like, 7,200, like, 8,000 people. Yeah. And it looked good on camera. Look, the, the, the MGM Grand's not a particularly big venue either, and that looked great. Yeah. Um... I'd actually really like to see them do another... Sh- actually, holy fuck, MGM Grand 17. Anyway, the point of all this is that time will tell what's going on with these with both of these guys, and I'm actually really fucking interested to see what the ratings are going to be on Thursday, because, like, yo, I... Because, yeah, I want to know, like, is AEW sticking over a million? Like, I have to imagine, like, this is a big fucking show with these two title defenses, so, like... They they gotta deliver. Yeah, I, I'm really more interested in seeing how the TV ratings hold up rather than anything regarding um, attendance or arena stuff. We'll see that well ahead of time when if that starts to ha- become an issue. Yeah. So I really honestly don't give two fucks about what the arena sales are like right now or where they go. Other than are they selling out? Are they having trouble? Period. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I just mostly want them to come to. Yeah. Mostly, I just care because I want them to come here. They'll come here at the beginning of 2020, if I'm lucky. So, Seattle, West Coast, all that stuff. Hooray! Of- hey, hey if, they, if they decide to push Darby Allen, they might come to Seattle soon. They might, but there also isn't like really a good arena for them at this point, because uh, Key Arena is under renovations till 2021. What about so, the Tacoma Dome? It sucks. But that's where they had Steppy Grounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's why I didn't go. Anyway, one last little quick hit here. Uh, I watched, I know you didn't watch it, Oscar, but I watched a little bit of Power, mostly just because I wanted to see the re-debut of Aaron Stevens! Fucking Damien Sandow's back! Does he, does he still suck? 
those. You took the fucking question right out of my mouth. I like Damien Sandow. I like Damien Sandow too, but I hate the person behind him. I like... I'm, look, Damien Sandow leaving WWE really made me realize, oh, Damien Sandow was actually trash. He was just working with really... Enter- it just turns out, oh, Cody Rhodes and The Miz are really talented. Yep, it's true. He's doing... He's, he's doing an off-brand Miz thing now. Ah, weird. Almost as if he's been doing that for a while. He's a thes- Somewhere else. He's a thespian, and uh, he doesn't want you to make eye contact with him. Ah, he came to play. It's a price to pay. Whatever happened to his Liberace gimmick? It was bad! It was really bad. <laughs> I, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I... You know what? I... I feel like Damien Sandow... God damn it. I feel like Aaron Stevens worked because this is NWA power and it's this weird fucking thing. And, like, the fact that he was playing this tiny little audience, like, it all made it yeah. work for me and I, I was kind of into it. But, yeah, when you I, when I'm actually trying to explain it to y'all, it's like, oh, God, right. Oh, right. Studio audiences will react however you want them to because there's 80 of them and it's really easy to piss them off. <laughs> I you mean, know what? You know what? Look, if 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 the shtick, uh, let look, a lot of wrestling shit sounds really bad on paper. You're damn right, it does. A lot of shit, and, wrestling shit, sounds really bad on paper, and then it is really bad. <laughs> see, like, I, see all if, the shows happening in the bad place. Yeah. If that Aaron Stevens stuff works in power, if it works for that audience, then I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really interested to see what you guys have to say about it. So yeah, you you should watch that Oscar. I I've been meaning to watch Power again. I just like had a lot of shit to do yesterday and today. Yeah, fair dues. Anyway, some shows happened tonight though. They sure did. So yeah, why don't you why don't y'all tell me about AEW Dynamite? I watched a little bit of it. I mean, I watched like all of it on in the background. So AEW Dynamite started off, and and this whole show basically is hey, oh, we're going back to the. Before, yeah. before we talk about that, you want to talk about uh, anything from Dark last week? I want to bring one point up from Dark. Yep. In that they had one really fucking good match that did not deserve to be on Dark, even though now it's free on YouTube for everybody to see it, and you better fucking see it if you have the ability to, because it was Omega Janela doing an unsanctioned hardcore match. Yep, not a match. Doesn't count and for not, the ratings. Doesn't count for wins, losses, or anything like that, but holy fuck... If, if you thought, like, oh, you know, Moxie Janelle was good, I would argue this is actually better. It was less bloody. It wasn't intended to be bloody, but it was way fucking more brutal. Yes, rules. Let me put it, let me put it to you this way. Midway through the match, you have Kenny Omega dry heaving, nearly puking on the ring apron because he's had his internal organs so brutally hit over tables that are facing the wrong way. This ruled. It was fucking amazing. Incredible finish that basically looked like it killed Joey Janelle's neck. Um, yeah, just go fucking watch it if you can. 600,000 people off already. It's good. It's very good. It's pretty cool. It's like 30 to 40 minutes. It shouldn't be a dark match. What the fuck? I mean, I mean, but also though, maybe it's kind of perfect to have it as a dark match because maybe you can't get away with that level of brutality on TV. Oh no, you you couldn't. But now you also have a free thing that you, that people can share the night before Dynamite. That's a really good point. Like, putting and it I, out on Tuesdays I, is a brilliant move. 
and it I is. and I watched because I actually watched Dark, and it's like, it's like, yeah, this is totally just a big ad for Dynamite, like, yeah, and the fact that they were doing the fact that the Dark itself had recaps of the relevant angles just before the fucking big Janela Kenny Omega match that they knew everybody was watching for. It's yeah, like it's almost. It's almost like it's a weekend WWE show where they used to show all this stuff. And, hey, can you remember what happened on that one show back then? Remember what happened on the other show back then? Well, here's what's coming up on the next show of that. I mean, it's, it's really good that they have their own WCW Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. The mothership, motherfuckers. No, that's heel turn. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this feels more like heat than it does Saturday night. Yeah, fair. But it's still, like, a good heat. Unlike heat. Damn. Got hey, him. He started he started out good. Really? I don't think I agree with this one bit. Did this was good back in the day when it was good? okay for Yeah. I think it was like it was back in the day when it was okay for wrestlers of name and note to face local jobbers all the time. Hey, he was better than Thunder. I do not agree one bit. He did not give us David Arquette winning the championship, I'll have you know. But yeah. also, counterpoint, he didn't have David Arquette winning the championship. Okay, fair dues. Anyway, <laughs> tell me about tonight's AEW. I so watched this is some where of we it. Get, yeah, we get back to kind of all the stuff I was just kind of making fun of with, you know, local talent and things that happen in wrestling. That shit, we haven't seen that in AEW before. By the way, um, AEW is still professional wrestling. All that shit's going to happen at one point or another. So... It starts out with a banger of SCU getting jumped by the Lucha Bros. Fuck them, apparently. Yeah, and okay, they're going just to injure a guy, so Christopher Daniels takes an injury angle, and we get Scorpio Sky wrestling in non-proper wrestling attire. Wrestling in pants. Are the the Lucha Brothers heels? Yes. Seems so. Yeah, they're totally heels. Are SCU heels? No. Yes. Oh, are they? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Their faces, actually, I think, supposedly. Yeah. Is but is is fucking like every tag team in AEW except for like maybe the best friends heels? Best friends are uh, they can be heels. Is every fucking tag team in AEW a heel? Let me check the rankings. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. Rankings I mean... of tag teams: Dark Order heels, SoCal yep. Uncensored, Possible heels, Lucha Bros heels, Young Bucks heels, Santana Ortiz heels, are Private you, Party. Are the Young Bucks heels? Uh, I mean, they they do say to suck it and you know yell you're dead and stuff like that. Yeah, they're probably but, faces in terms of AEW. Yeah, but hear me out here. Too sweet and also suck it. Yeah, true. Those things so are Bucks, cool to say. Young Bucks tweeners, Santana Ortiz heels, Private Party faces. Uh, yeah, it's just Private Party best and Strong Oh, best friends are faces. They hug and they have Orange Cassidy. Oh, true. Orange. When they have Orange Cassidy out there, they're fine. Anyways, yeah, it's just it's it's a. It's a weird fucking mess, because... And I don't mean it in, like, necessarily a bad way, because Scorpio Sky put on a fucking great show with no shoes. And it was interesting to watch, and I felt bad for his ankles. Um, but then, after that, you get Santana Ortiz, or Proud and Powerful, or whatever they want to call themselves. The and inner they're circle, facing, Yeah, they're facing local talent. That We've gotten strange. to the point where they're facing local talent now. I, I wasn't sure at first if they were local talent, because in Canada they got an entrance. Oh, and yeah, I mean, they I can imagine getting an entrance, but 
They're also, I looked them up, they're uh, like CCW tag team. Yeah, like I, I wasn't sure if they were just like, oh, this is a new indie team that's joined AEW. I don't think they've joined AEW, but I think the Beaver Boys have a uh, kind of a, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm they, assuming, yeah, I'm assuming it's literally just like, you know, they called in like CCW and was like, hey, send us a tag team. Yep. Hey, uh, Joey Janela is uh, doing cool shit here. You want to be cool like Joey? Send us a tag team, please. Hey, we you, need one. Hey, your best buddy Moxley is like really important in our company. Yeah, and Moxley's yelling over the phone, I need a tag team. So, and so they do. Send one. I don't know. It was weird to see a local talent match for the first time at AEW. Yeah, I, it was very strange. I would strange. like to see less of it. Like, let, let, let's just have him face off against, like, one of the teams that... Actually, shit, they don't have enough tag teams they can actually just throw them against somebody not in tournament at this point. Yeah, that's the problem, is, like, everybody yeah. that matters in the tournament, except for, like, you yeah. know, Hybrid 2. Yeah, and you can't job out Hybrid 2 like that again. Yeah, they... Because they're heels and all heels. You've, all you've done is job them out, also. <laughs> yeah, the only, the only way they're getting the ranking back is by winning on Dark. So... Uh, but yeah, no, I thought that was a bit strange. Also strange, um, though kind of explained away because, yo, injuries are real. No Luchasaurus tonight. Yeah, and, and they did mention that on commentary, that like he seems to have like an out-of-action like knee injury or something. Yeah, he hurt a knee like working out or something. Jeez. So I'll say, I'll say this, when they announced that Luchasaurus was out... And that Marco's stunt would be, like, the guy on the team. Mm-hmm. I genuinely was expecting and kind of hoping for just, like, a squash match. I was expecting a squash match. So did I. I completely expected that. What we got instead was actually kind of fucking rad. It was that's fucking what talk awesome! About. And, like, reminded me of, like... Because I had basically... My first experience with uh, Marco Stunt... Because I didn't see the uh, the battle the battle royal. Um, okay. Or the, the, you know, the whatever that fucking thing was. The overbunch mm-hmm. battle royal. Um, yeah. So my first experience with him was just seeing him at a, at an MLW show. Uh, like, the, the okay. first MLW show he ever did. And... Right. Yo, he was just fucking crazy and hilarious, and it just fucking cracked me up. And just, like, watching him just do all this weird shit and just have this great comedic timing, he's so fucking fun and cool. And it's, like, everything they've shown from him at this point, up to this point, has been kind of shit. Yeah. And now they finally get him to shine. If you had told me yesterday, hey, Marco Stunt's going to shine against Pentagon Jr., and he's going to look like a million bucks facing off against somebody who should... Squash him in five seconds flat. I would have called you a liar. I would have laughed and said, yeah, sure. He's just going to break his arm and that's that. But no. We had like a good 10, 15 minute match before his arm got broken. I'm telling you, man. He had two really good matches at that MLW taping. One against Myron Reed and one against uh, in a, a six man against the Heart Fa- Foundation. Yeah. So I just, I'm very surprised. Once again, AEW takes these people that... Any other organization, any other group, you would look and it's like, there's no way this person's getting over. There's no way this person... And they let them shine. Yeah, like... What the hell? It's great. Look, like, consider what's going on in the bad place right now. They have a dude that's completely normal height that is a fucking Olympian who can do, like, crazy fucking wrestling things. And their whole gimmick for him is, he's short, pal. (laughs) Yep. And I actually think that's a good thing for AEW that yeah, their average height is like almost 
normal, if maybe a little smaller than average. Meanwhile, like, their actual, like, person that is 5'2 and weighs, like, 125 pounds wet, like, Mm -hmm. is putting on fucking banger matches and making, you know, getting to look legitimate against, again, like you said, Pentagon fucking Jr. and Ray Phoenix, two of the best wrestlers currently in the world. Yes. Yes. And so, I just... I'm just amazed by it. I, I, I'm super stoked by that. That was probably the high point of the entire night is watching Marco Stunt get his shit highlighted, and he's going to be a highlight reel if he keeps doing stuff like that. I hope Marcus, so, because he's so I mean, cool. I mean, look, he's really good to throw around. Yes, exactly. He knows his uh, gimmick. He knows his shtick. It is that he is very light and easy to maneuver. Um... So. Yeah, no, I, I still, I'm glad that Marco's not got a showcase. I still kind of wish, just for the sake of the Lucha Brothers, I think it would have logically made more sense if it was a squash. Because, also, there's a part of me, though, that does think, oh, the Lucha Brothers were taken to task by this tiny dude who, who like, is tiny compared to, like, even the rest of the AEW roster. Yeah, but at the same time, the AEW is very heavy on the idea that we don't have weight classes, we don't have a situation where you know someone's going to power over anybody, and anybody can beat anybody. It's trying to be more fair that than say past organizations have been, where it's like, oh, tiny guy beating up big guy, never going to happen. He's going to die. And, I, and maybe this is all the WWE conditioning coming through. I I think, I think it, it is. Bit, yeah. it, it takes getting used to. It's like it was like. When Lucha Underground kind of debuted, oh yeah, women and men are just going to fight each other, and we're not going to blink. Yep, and some, and it was fucking yeah, rad. And yeah, sometimes the men are going to beat the women, but sometimes yeah. the women are going to beat the men. Yeah, and it's just you have to get those styles differences that let them get the advantage. In this case, Pentagon Junior. not taking Marco seriously, and Marco kind of doing really cool shit that makes him flip like five times around the Pentagon's body before giving like a Rick and Rana. And then Pentagon takes him super seriously and says, you're yeah. not allowed to have an arm anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then his arm gets broken, and that's that. The fear is none. So, so yeah. <laughs> the fear. yeah. Also, uh, I just want to throw it out there, since we're, you know, mostly highlighting Marco here. Jungle mm-hmm. Boy, still really great. JR, yeah, Jungle Boy's awesome. please stop calling him Jungle Jack. Please, I know you're doing crap. it intentionally now. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, he's doing it because he wants to say, oh, that's Jack Perry. It's like... We know it's Luke Perry's kid. We don't give a fuck. He is Jungle Boy. I don't care who they're related to. Jungle Boy. Come on. Also, I'm just going to put this out there. The women's match. We've been bagging on the women's division for a while because it's kind of in shit compared to the rest. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. Like I kind of tuned out on this match. I I still don't care about Riho. Me neither, but the finish of this match? Really good. They're they're making small steps. Yeah, look, like, it, it was a good it was a good match, but I mean, I still wasn't invested in it. Yeah, it was hard to get invested. To. It, it took the end where basically, I think Britt Baker's finally finding her stride with having a good finisher by reaching her hand down somebody's jaw and hinging it open. I do like that crazy her crazy finisher. Yeah, the regal stretch with like a fucking mandible claw. Yeah, that's the one thing she's finally developing, and yeah, I think every one of these wrestlers on the women's division are going to have to develop something like that because a lot of them don't have a complete package of like a good wrestling program. 
So, and, but, so here's my problem with this, though. Mm-hmm. It was way too soon. Like, where do you... Like, Britt Baker probably should have been the one to take the title off of Riho. But Maybe? it's too soon for Riho to lose the title. Yeah. Yeah, it is, for sure. So why not build up Britt Baker more? Because they're two baby faces. So, like, why not just do this? And also, like... Britt Baker's gonna get another shot pretty quickly. Let's be honest. It's not like this division's that big. Yeah. But also, if wins and losses matter, though, I've already seen Britt Baker lose to Rio. Yeah, Why should she get another shot? She's gotta go on a winning streak now. Yeah, she's gotta beat Bea Priestley or someone else down further down the ladder. And she's gonna. Yeah. And you also have people who also have a good shot at Riho that could always show up again. Say, Shoko Nakajima. Or, you know, Brandy Rose trying to cheat cut, against Riho you and pissing off Kenny. Like this- you cut. Yes, or you can like this was too soon. I, I can see why you're saying that, but at the same token, they, they really didn't have anywhere else they could have gone with this at this point. Yeah. Hear me, hear me out. They shouldn't have done the title defense yet. They should have saved it for full year. Mm-hmm. But done Riho versus someone like Awesome Kong. I'm very excited to see that someday. Because Awesome be Kong good. can lose. Like, it's fine if Riho beats her, but she can also be an intimidating first challenger. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of why I want to see Riho versus uh, Brandy Rhodes. I, I kind of want to see Awesome Kong at ringside. Just So you got two people trying to beat up a little girl. And All right, I'm into it. Yeah, it, I'm like, cool with it. So... And, yeah, there was apparently because uh, one thing I've actually neglected to to mention here is that we had an insider, y'all, because this did. show is in Philly. So, of course, uh, heel turn zone. Owen Douglas went. Mm-hmm. We saw him in the crowd. We did. Uh, did you notice that apparently, according to Owen here, there was a part in this match where uh, someone didn't kick out at three? And the I... match kept going. I, think, I didn't notice um, this. I had honestly slipped back in NXT because fucking EO showed up. I think yeah, I, I, I wanted to see actually good wins they're wrestling. talking about. And I think somebody did kick out. It just didn't look as apparent from their angle. Hmm. And it wasn't like a proper shoulders up. Riho did a weird kick out and put like both arms up rather than like the one shoulder or a proper like kick with the legs. But her shoulders were up. I definitely saw that much. So, I, I get the Philly crowd. Like, they weren't being fed information properly, and the wrestlers weren't doing you much favors in that regard. Okay. So, I, I think it was just, yeah, Philly was thinking they were getting screwed. But, no, she definitely kicked out of that. Speaking, I saw of, the, speaking of the Philly crowd not having information fed to them yeah. properly. Good transition. Want to talk about how they were shitting on the fucking main event because they didn't understand the rules? Yeah, so there was a Philly Street Fight main event. Joey Janela, or not Joey Janela, I'm sorry, Darby Allen. Joey Janela in my head, apparently. Um, Dar- Darby Allen's just goth Joey Janela. Shit. Fuck, I hate that, but yes. You're not wrong, though. Yeah. Going up against goth dad Chris Jericho. Um, he went you know, full he- on pain maker. Hey, kids, I hear you like clowns. He I'm became a sad clown the sad too. clown! 
Everybody's going to learn to hate pain. I was except for me, because so I make it. I was so fucking stoked that he went full on New Japan Chris Jericho. Yeah, this is actually pretty good. I'm really disappointed we burned all our Joker jokes last week. We live in a society. <laughs> but no, it's... um. So, we on TV heard from Excalibur that street fights in AEW, at least the Philly street fight, has submissions, which technically, <coughs> I guess, would still be a thing in normal street fights, but depends on your view of the rules. And also rope breaks, which normally aren't a part of no DQ matches, because what's the ref supposed to do when they count to five and the person doesn't break? Um, well, I mean, we've, we've learned that you can have disqualifications in no DQ matches. Not in this brand. But I, I don't know. Honestly, Maybe if, if he gets like a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, gosh! I'll tell you what, Darbiano's gone too far. By God, but, I no. killed him! By God, I killed him! I can't believe he's toolbox like that. What the fuck? Uh, it, it's more of a thing. Like I, I feel like you could justify it better if you'd announced it and talked about it. Where the ref at a five count then physically tries to break the wrestlers apart or something along those lines. That said, don't have rope breaks in your DQ match where, or no DQ match where you have to make that a thing. You know, don't let... Just let them fight their way out of submissions. We had this happen before. There have been no DQ matches where people have had to improvise like that. Yeah. It's like, just, just be smart about it, y'all. But I think Cody probably heard the chance about it's a street fight. I'm sure they've <laughs> learned going forward. But that aside... That was a, a bad situation for them. I mean, I can say, oh, well, you know, them's the rules. But, yeah, street fights, no DQ, no rope breaks. Come on, motherfuckers. Yeah, let, come on. Like, let's have this match be actually crazy. Although, some crazy shit did <laughs> yeah. happen in this fucking match, let's be honest. Yeah, let's talk about Darby Allen having about half the match with his arms taped behind his back. Getting suplexed onto a f- power, sorry, power bombed onto a fucking skateboard. Yes. And in a With way, his hands tied exactly, his back. Yeah, he can't exactly take that bump properly because his arms are at risk of being broken, as are his shoulder blades. But he still took it. He still dealt with it, and he still kept dishing out damage. He tried doing coffin drops and sentons and dives the outside. He was doing a lot of shit with his hands taped behind his back. Yeah, it was fucking redonkulous. Yeah. I, it's like, I, will, I will say this. Dark... I I will I'm gonna make my prediction now. Darby Allen will be champion by this time next year. I think he will definitely have had a championship run at some time next year. Yeah, I could see. I don't that. know by this time, but it will happen. Like he's too hot for him not to do this. Yeah. He is too damn marketable. He has a history of like he You just look at the dude. with the half that's not painted with weird skull shit. And the dude is looks like a million bucks. Yeah, he's got such a good look. He's got such great fucking like charm, and like he's just interesting. He's different, like you know. And you can play like a whole bunch of different stuff, like you know, like the fact that he's fucking like a former skateboarder. The fact that he's fucking yep. straight edge. Yep, he has a lot going for him. They they will waste potential if they do not put him in a championship position. Sometime. He would year. actually probably be the perfect inaugural champion for like a mid-card title. Either him or MJF. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think one of those two, but I'm hoping they hold off there that one for like, again, near end of next year, hopefully. But that's just me. I 
I am okay with being wrong there. But yeah, so the only thing I didn't like here, but you knew it was going to happen anyways because it's a street fight. Of course, somebody interferes from the inner circle and Darby Allen loses. Fucking Jake Hager. But I did appreciate that they interfered when, like, the referee had her back turned. Yeah, and also it was just a shove. That's all it was. It wasn't like he had to go around powerbombing Darby Allen. No, it's like Darby had one more move left and, nope, shove, sorry. Nope, hey, check this out. Yeah, hey, check out this one weird trick to make uh, people get jobbed. Oh, you're you're with that move? Faces hate it. Oh, you're with that move now? All right, check this out. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they did an interference ending because it make again, I think it keeps Darby Allen looking very strong. Yeah. And it he, gives he him strong. incredible reason to challenge for the title again. Yeah, true. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate it that much, but I I do maybe wish that they wouldn't go so tropey on this stuff. But then again, that's me being a little tired of that stuff and pointing it out every time it happens. I'm the also, group here. Also don't worry wrestling. about it. Yeah. it. It's wrestling, yes. I have to accept some things. Some and feelings. also, it's the kind of wrestling, like, you know, consider Cody's involved in this company. He, yeah. The kind of wrestling that Cody is clearly very interested in is the kind that plays upon these old-ass tropes. So true. So, again, I, I will say that's a me problem, not an AEW problem. But, yeah, goddamn good card, weird card in some points, but not nearly as good as last week. But I still really enjoyed it from what I yeah, saw, likewise. and I'm excited to watch like, more of it. Like, it's not a case where it's like, oh, no, it's not It's not good enough. I don't know if I really should be watching. No, fuck, no. I'm watching this next week. I am I'm fucking oh, addicted. Oh, this, this was a great show. And, and yeah. I do feel like it was their weakest show so far. Yeah, likewise. But their weakest show thus far is still really good. Yeah, like, I'd still say that their weakest show thus far, uh, like, you know, from the little bit I saw, it seemed more interesting to me than NXT, which, again, was good, but, like... They're in a weird spot. They really are. It's hard to deny it now. John, let's talk about NXT and where they're at. Yeah, it's... Well, the thing is, they're they're still in a weird transitional place. Like, they're... I feel like they're doing better than they have been in the past couple weeks of, like, actually setting things up for the future. But, like, it still all seems like I don't really know where any of this is going. And... They probably don't either, if we're being fair. Yeah, it, like, it all seems like there's kind of too many plates spinning at once, you know? Like, <laughs> a perfect example of this is just like, hey, once again, why does this show need a 10-minute overrun? Yeah, if they're not having, like, any spectacular matches, I don't give a shit about overrun. And, like, don't get me wrong, you know what? Like, the the main event uh, was Pete Dunne and Damian Priest, and that was really fucking cool. Like yeah, they're both good. They gave yeah, like they got like fifteen minutes, and like they made the most out of all that time, and it was a really fucking exciting match. Like, but the point is, you still could have cut some shit. You still could have made this done this episode in a better way that you didn't have to have an overrun for seemingly no reason other than just to do like than just to goose the ratings a little bit to like make your numbers look better like here's a yeah. perfect example Killian Dane and Boa had a match that Boa. is so weird to me like this is all building because like Boa had a match against Cameron Grimes last week and who's Boa he is uh, one of their Chinese signees oh that guy uh, yeah 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 he was in the breakout so tournament given- so they gave him one name now. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he lost in like two seconds last week to Cameron Grimes uh, because Killian Dane showed up, basically. 
So he wanted a rematch. He wanted like a revenge match against Dane to get, you know, back at him for that. And this match was like seven minutes, eight minutes. And Boa got a lot of offense. And like, why? Why did you need to do this? Why didn't you just do like a fucking squash like you did with the Cameron Grimes shit? Like, it's fucking Killian Dane. The dude's like a goddamn gargantuan. Like, and that probably would have helped Dane to have, like, a big fucking, like, impactful squash after losing that fucking street fight to goddamn Matt Riddle. Yeah, absolutely. But no, you just decided, no, we're going to have, like, an actual match and show these people off. Uh, I, I feel like stuff like that just, it's getting a little more inconsistent. I feel like it used to be easier to excuse with NXT because, oh, they're just trying to test these talent out, see what works, see what doesn't. We'll pick what works and uh, make it part of uh, TakeOver. But now, now they're on TV, proper TV, and they're trying to sell themselves like the third brand. It feels like they're in this weird holding pattern where they don't know if they're developmental or a pro- or like a real show yet. It feels that's also a problem. Yeah, and it feels like they're they're trying to have it both ways in a lot of ways. But it's like, it, in a lot of ways, it just feels like they're just building up the people they had. At the expense of, like, the new people they signed. Like, you know, hey, this episode had a bunch of people from, like, the breakout tournament. Boa was in there. Uh, and they, they basically all, like, lost kind of, like, glorified squash matches. Like, they weren't actual squash matches. Like, they got to have some offense in there. Like, they got some time. Right. Like, you know, like, the shortest one was probably, like, four minutes, five minutes. But, like, still, it's like you have Bronson Reed, who's, like, this fucking big chunk. You know, the former Jonah Rock. Mm-hmm. And you just have him have a you know fairly competitive, but still pretty decisively losing effort to Matt Riddle. Um, it was a good match. It was excitingly done, but like mm-hmm. you're not really doing anything with Bronson Reed. You're not really making him look great, and you're just kind of going like, "Yeah, Matt Riddle, he's still good. We like him, even though he lost to Adam Cole." Yeah, no big surprise there. So. Here's my thought on this. Here's a question I just I kind of thought about when you're talking about like they need to still have like developmental throwaway matches and things like that, or not throwaway, but like matches that actually work developmental and show them off without like squashing them like bugs. Does NXT need like an NXT dark? The thing is, they it's... might. Or NXT should just fucking use Evolve for their developmental. Potentially, I can see that. Because and and this is a this is an issue that I remember going back all the way to basically the takeover like the R Evolution fucking era of takeover with people online yeah. not, and you look at like people like Baron Corbin when he was in NXT Kona Reeves now you know it's like fuck these fuck are Kona Reeves, Reeves these are people that could probably be a thing but they need to be in developmental they're not TV ready yet. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that they're in NXT, but the expectation now is that a guy like a guy like Kona Reeves is Fuck not Reeves. is not going to have a chance of getting over because he's not as polished as a guy like fucking Kushida or Walter. Right. And so, and so NXT, yes, it's develop it's developmental, but by making it this super indie, there's a lot of guys that probably don't need to be on NXT for as long as they're in there. 
that is, seems like a constant problem even during the early days of NXT. Especially, and especially when it's just like you're kind of doing the same thing with them over and over again. Like another match that happened on this ma- on the show was Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch versus Imperium. And like, hey, that's a fun match and it's a good match because, you know, it's got Smalter and Fazaro and they're cool. Yep. And Oni's a fucking crazy badass and like really exciting, fun babyface to watch. But like, they're just doing the same thing with Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch that they've always done. It's like they're a fun baby face tag team that never actually really accomplishes anything. Right. But we like them because Oni's cool and we keep seeing them because like, it's something for them to do in between like the small little singles pushes that Oni gets here and there. I hate to say it, but like a lot of these guys probably should be on raw right now. Yeah. Cause she should be on raw or SmackDown. Yeah. Um, fucking Walter probably should be on raw and SmackDown. I mean, yes, he doesn't need to be in NXT. I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, it was kind of the good thing about them having 205 Live is that, like, you had a space where, like, Oni Lorcan could, like, actually put on, like, fucking 20-minute matches. And, yeah, and doing it into a void for people that didn't give a shit. But, like, he was doing some great fucking work there. And I think that's kind of what we're getting at is they need that void again. Except, you know, rather than being something that's doomed to, like, 205 Live, make it, like, just NXT, you know, I don't know what they'd call it. NXT, NXT. Next NXT. Yeah. But, but again, though, I, I think it still shouldn't be televised. Because if you televise it, if you do something like AEW Dark is not meant to be developmental for AEW. It's clearly no. meant to be promo for AEW to be like, look at the fucking crazy great matches you can see on TV. And also, oh god, we got too many people, we gotta put them in matches. Yeah. NXT needs to have an actual or WWE I should say needs to have an actual developmental brand that's maybe not televised if you're gonna keep NXT as the super indie have your breakout tournament guys not be on the show now you're getting me wondering if maybe that's what their house shows are like and I've not been to a house show in ages in fact I think one's happening Friday here in Seattle and I'm not going to it because fuck that shit but I wonder if they're it, maybe like taking all the talent that isn't showing up on TV and putting them in those tours. It wouldn't surprise me. Like there was a lot of talks of like how Patrick Clark workshopped the Velveteen Dream character on these house shows before debuting it on TV. That hmm, seems and like apparently backstage was pissed off about the first time he went out and did this character, but he just slowly workshopped it on this live circuit. Before they finally debuted Patrick Clark on TV. Yeah, this is like the entire reason that they had their their Florida circuit that they run. <coughs> so yeah, I think it's uh, I, I, that I don't know enough information about. So maybe they're already doing this and I'm not aware. But I I do. My understanding is they mostly just do that. Like they they do you know not their big tours, but like more they they run local Florida circuits, like really small shows, and that's where they kind of do it. Gotcha. So. Yeah, it just, I, I feel like there's still, yeah, I, I, I'd be dragging the point out, but push some of your talents to Raw or SmackDown, and let, let's, let's get NXT back to where it was, so you can have some direction with it, having to have and more run import- people against brick walls. Yep, and more importantly, they need focus, because, like, the problem is, like, a lot of their divisions just aren't really focused right now. Like, perfect example here, women's division! Yeah, It's just still kinda the Shayna Baszler show, and, like... They're just built, and the problem is, like, they're 
building up, and this is also a problem with the, honestly the the NXT men's championship too is that they're building up too many challengers. Like yeah. now they have like you know they built up fucking Rhea Ripley wanting her rematch back, and then they built up Bianca Belair wanting to have a match too, and then. So this week they have fucking Io Shirai have a match against Caden Carter, and that's fun and fine, and Io is fucking cool shit still. Yep. And But, but then yeah. that match ends with Io cutting a promo, being like, no, fuck Rhea, fuck Bianca, I want Shayna. Which, great, you know, now we get to have a fatal four-way, and Shayna's gonna win again, and we'll be like... Why isn't she on Raw yet? Because she's amazing. Well, instead, what we got is um, Rhea Ripley comes out to say, hey, I'm fighting Bianca next week, and then when I beat her, I'll beat you, too. Oh, okay. Which, okay, that's some storytelling there. That's some building some stuff up, but, like, man, I don't want her to beat fucking Io. No, me neither. I'd like you to go to Raw. Again, two people I'd like to see go to an actual, like, main brand. I want you to be NXT champion. Yeah, same. But I want like, her to be. She champion. also, she deserves to have that whole <laughs> intro on a main stage because that yeah. intro is goddamn baller as hell. I remember, I remember the early NXT Takeover era as well. It felt like they had a plan for when people got called up. It's like, yep, you know, yeah. you look at those early takeovers. At first, you had the great men's singles division when you had Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn. Yep. Tyson Kidd going back down, Owens, Balor, all those people. But then they get called up, but then in their place, oh, all of a sudden we have this stellar women's division, and you see the rise of, like, the four horsewomen, and all that stuff that goes on after you lose those guys. Oh, but now all the women have been called up in the Divas Revolution, but we have great tag teams going on now. Like, you have your DIY, you have your revival. And also, they and were it, able to keep sliding in people like, hey, check it out, here's fucking Kevin Owens. Here's Finn Balor. Yeah. yeah. And so, it feels like, though, ever since DIY split up, it feels like, one, they really haven't been calling up people from NXT much anymore. The conveyor belt is blocked. It's uh, it's full of too much talent, and it's not moving at this point. Somebody's got to unstick the machine. Yeah, and also, like, and also, let's be honest: the ones that they have called up, like they haven't really done all that much with. But like, Future Endeavor, Lacey Evans. But like, think about if this was 2016, you know, Undisputed Era would have been called up by now. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like how it's like Undisputed Era has been in NXT for what two years now. Something like that. This will this will be if if they're in the match. This will be their third war games. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and they're over as fuck. Velveteen Dream has been down there how long now? Like, why is he still in developmental? I mean, that just comes back to what the question is: is is this actually developmental, or is this a third brand? And then if this if, if this is the third brand, then what is developmental anymore? Yeah. And I don't so, think WWE has an idea anymore. And yeah, they got to work that out. They got to settle that because I think until they do, this show's going to suffer for it. Yeah, until they do, it's just going to be completely still like scattered and unfocused and doing things like, you know, hey, elsewhere in the women's division, uh Tegan Knox came back after her fucking injury and she had a oh, yeah. she had a match with Tainara that again was surprisingly competitive. They both look really good. Maybe it didn't need to be as long as it was. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, look, I get it because they wanted to have Tegan Knox have like an actual like showing, like her first yeah. time back. Like that's yeah. cool shit. And like you know, she won with her shining, her shiningest wizard, as she calls it. It's it's a good shining wizard. It is a good shining wizard. And then uh, you know she's getting an interview after the match, and Kota Kai comes out, and then of course Shayna and her dumb friends show up to run her down and be like, "Oh, let me guess, you're also going to declare for my title? Fuck you! I don't care. I beat the shit out of your stupid friend Dakota Kai. You're nothing to me. Later." I mean, that's just good healing. It is, and but it's also like. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking people declaring for this title, and why am I supposed to believe that anyone of them will beat Shayna? Yeah, true. Again, the conveyor belt is stuck. Um, why isn't Mansoor in NXT? I mean, he is. Like, did just... they just hire this guy to only show up at the Saudi shows? Pretty much. He's been on NXT here and there. Yeah, he has actually, but... He had, but a, like, match. He had a match like a month ago. So, like, as much as I hate to dignify these Saudi shows, they are obviously something that are important to WWE. Why is Mansoor not a more regular part of NXT to build these matches? This is feeling like a very loaded question here. He, yeah, because he was, he definitely was for a while, and I'm wondering if, like, maybe those things that came that we all found out about him might have hampered that some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the thing. It's just kind of hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's called, because it like, also goes into questions of, "Hey, where's Lars at?" Mm-hmm. Fuck, where is Lars? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, until they figure that out, they're gonna keep doing things like you know, hey, they had the fourth Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee match. I mean, it's a really good match. It is a really good match, but, like, this match, you know, and again, I enjoyed it, and they had, they definitely had some cool moments, like, for fuck's sake, uh, Dijak had Lee in an electric chair position, and Lee fucking flipped it into a Poison Rana. Jesus. It was fucking awesome! So, they need to just turn that into a Best of Seven series. But here's the thing. Yeah, like, they had this match, and it was good, but again, like, the entire time I was watching it, I just kept thinking, like, um, this doesn't feel like it's really, like, they're even trying to live up to, like, what they did in that second match. Like, it doesn't even feel like they're trying to get into that gear. And then it all made sense when the ending happened, because one thing I probably should have clarified here is, before the match, uh, Regal announced, oh, because uh, during the the opening match, uh, afterwards... Mm -hmm. Fucking the Undisputed Boys came out and they gave Morrow a, a USB drive. And on the USB drive uh, was a backstage video of them having beaten the shit out of uh, Velveteen Dream. Oh. So he's oh. not getting his, his uh, championship match tonight. Well. So instead, this match became the number one contenders match for the North American Championship. I think you wait. can guess where this is going. <sighs> oh fuck, that's right, Dream lost that title. Yeah, to Rod Strong. <sighs> Who interfered at the end of the match by beating the the shit out of both of them with the North American Championship. I really didn't want to hear that part, and yet I now have and cannot erase it from my mind. 
would you be surprised to find out that next week we are going to get Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee 5? This time Rod Strunk is there and the North American title is on the line, which means that Rod Strunk will somehow win. Well, that's a great way to put Rod Strunk over. Yeah, I guess. I mean... I, I, I have no words for that. That is just... Jesus Christ. Just make a tag team out of him already. Just make him kiss or whatever. I don't give a shit. Where, this where is, is any of this fucking, going? This is the most fucking WWE booking. Yep. Yeah, like, it's already happened is the problem. It's already come to this. Yep. It's... Sorry, Keith Lee, creative has nothing for you. Would you like a tag team with Dominic Dijakovic? Meanwhile, let's also look at, like, the fucking men's division here. Like, the first match of the show basically builds up, like, one of the per- people that's, hey, is this going to be the new competitor for the title? Fucking Choppa! Of course. It's his, of course. It's his first match back. Apparently he hasn't even worked, like, any dark matches or, like, training stuff. Like, this is literally, like, his first time back in the ring. The conveyor belt is broken. For one, Choppa, he's looking fucking cut. That's good. He looks he real good. Should. As a certain as a certain commentator on a, a FS1 show might say, "It's looking real jack, baby." I also I, noticed I that in this match that he had with uh, with Angel Garza, uh, Champa maybe took like two back back body bumps. So maybe like he's trying to protect himself, which is smart because probably the next bump he takes, the next injury he takes in the short time period would be his last. Yep. He like the, the two big bumps he took is like, yeah, he took like one, like two back body bumps basically like late in the match. And like he took one where like he fell on his ass and then went to his, his back. Yeah. So boy, that's a ticking time bomb right there. And I don't mean Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah. Like I... You know, I just want to. I want to hope that it's like this is just him getting back into the swing of things and taking it easy and being careful because it's his first match back and he wants to like test things out. And also, I yeah. mean, let's be honest here: he came back from fucking neck surgery after seven months. Yeah, that's a bit intense. This is really quick. Yeah, like I'm sorry, you ain't John Cena. You can't do shit like that. At the same time, though. Literally, you know, Asia Garza did his thing where he rips off his his Mexico flag pants and has his you know his uh, his Tai Chi underoos under underneath. I was about to say you better call Tai Chi out on this because this is totally his shit. Oh yeah, no, he totally stole it. he totally stole it from Tai Chi, and and Tai Chi is our sweet boy, and we love him. This is the Tai we Chi love fan him so club. Much. Yes, and I am acknowledging that yes, he stole it from Tai Chi, but it's pretty good. But the best part about this was Champa. Got so fucking mad at the pants. He threw them into the turnbuckle. He was kicking them in the turnbuckle. He kneed them in the turnbuckle. You know? And I watched all of this shit and I went, fucking Christ, I missed this asshole so much. Yeah, he's good at his psychology. He is so He's fucking, really good. He's so fucking good at this character. He is so fucking perfect. I'm so fucking mad that you wouldn't let me give him best superstar last year. Yeah, well, let's be honest. This Chomp, year... Chompa's really entertaining. Chompa's fucking great, and I love this, but also, like, 
okay, so are you just gonna, like, put him up against Cole or something? Like, is are you just gonna, like, hotshot him back into that? And But then, yes. what about Finn Balor, who you're also reintroducing, and you had, like, a weird video package for this week where you basically are showing him being, like, kind of grimdark and being like, in order to figure out my future, I need to go back to my past. Look at my tattoos! Oh. So he's going to join Bullet Club again. I think they're doing a Balor heel turn, yeah! But also, why the fuck did they not pull the trigger at literally any time on just having all four club members be a stable in WWE? They're starting to do it for that brief second there, and then they just kind of gave up on it. They even made a fucking entrance for it in the 2K games. That's how sure they were it was going to happen. Wow. I I think you're asking a question that we can never answer about why WWE does bad things. Yeah. So, I, <sighs> I, I feel like all I'm doing now is exercising frustration with NXT, but it seems like it was a decent enough show. No, that's the thing, is, like, when you look at it, all the wrestling, like, that's the problem with these NXT shows, is that they're so fucking unfocused, it seems like they don't really have any, like, direction, they're just kind of spinning the wheels, things are just kind of happening for the sake of happening, but when you look at the actual wrestling on the show, it's all really good, it's all really good wrestling presented in, like, a completely haphazard way that doesn't have, like, any of the fucking, I don't know, it just doesn't have, like, any of the, the... just quick pace, just like the smart pace that it used to have. It, it feels like they genuinely don't know what to do with this second hour and being live. And it's, it's just allowed them to go into their worst excesses. Like, there's only one episode of NXT before they went to USA that ever went over an hour. Only one. And it was like actually meaningful when they gave it like an extra 15 minutes. And now they're, like, regularly doing 10-minute overruns for a show that probably doesn't need it. That definitely doesn't need it. Here's my question. If if it seems like they're indulging a lot of the more main rostery excesses, do you think that the move to A... Do you think that the move to going live and the AEW stuff and and being on, like, a regular TV network... Do you think Vince is involved with NXT now? I don't think he's involved in NXT in, like, a hands-on sense, but I think that, like, you know, look, I I think that it comes down to there is a unspoken understanding of if you're going to be on the network, then you can kind of do whatever you want. You can kind of be loose. But if you're going to be on actual television, like, there is a certain standard that you need to live up to. There is a certain quality and production value that you need to live up to for Vince to be okay with it. Like, he's not going to stop you, he's not going to get involved, but, like, I think there's a kind of unstated, like, you need to do X or this show might not get pushed anymore. Yeah. Do you think think this bodes well for Triple H possibly taking over... WWE? I think... Look, I I think it's a... The problem with that question is I think that, like, we're trying to figure out, 
like what NXT means and what NXT transformation means for like Triple H's legacy and all this stuff. And it's like I think he's doing fine with what he's got. And I think it's the problem is that like let's be honest here, they made this decision like a month ago. They made this decision when they found out that like they could do it and they could find a way to fuck AEW a little bit. And so and it feels like this was a decision that was made not necessarily with, like, the consultation of the people that actually run NXT. So now they're kind of trying to have to pick up the pieces and figure out where the fuck they go from here. But, but as a counterpoint, though, NXT was also really good when they did their TV tapings of... They still spaced people out. Like, they, they still would only have a person show up maybe once a month because they taped four episodes at a time and they didn't bring those people out for multiple weeks in a row at the same taping. Yeah, exactly. Because, well, let's be honest there, because it's a lot harder to ask someone to wrestle, like, two or three matches in a night. But it's, but like, but they still split that up into a weekly thing. So why do they have to have the Velveteen Dream now on every single week? Just because he's one of the big stars. Because... It was working fine. Because that's how WWE does it. That's how they do their live shows, is the big people have to appear every week. Unless it's something like, oh god, we just booked one of the worst pay-per-views and everybody hates us right now. Let's not have them on so that we can hopefully get people to forget about it. Yeah... Yeah, I I have no further thoughts on that stuff at this point. Yeah, it's I don't know. They got to they got to figure some shit out, which yeah. is sad because again, everything that they're putting on is very good. Even when it's stuff that like we've seen too many times like Keith Lee and Dominic Djokovic, it's still very good. Yeah, no denying that. They're getting it's that's the problem is like this show is good in spite of itself. Mhm. And that's the problem because this show should be fucking great. Like it was great. It has all the ability to be great. And you I'd know, like to see it great because this show makes me happy. It used to make me happy. And I want to be posy on it. I want to be plur. Let us be plur together. So, yeah, I mean, AEW is still good. Yeah, AEW is cool. It's pretty good. So that's kind of Wednesday. That's Wednesday, all right. And I guess that's it for us. Heel turn. Yeah, I mean, we have, we've gone an hour and a half. Technically, by now, I should have turned on the Tai Chi music to shut us all up. It's true. Put you should have turned on the Tai Chi music, on. but it's fine. Like, we'll, we're, we'll finish up. Hey, you, you get a free pass. Yeah. Hey, guys. Elsewhere on the network this week, we got some cool stuff. Uh, for Patreon subscribers, if you give us money over at Patreon.cool, uh, we got a new episode of uh, Trace and Owen talking about NXT. Or NXT, fucking uh, New Japan. Yeah, we really tried NXT to keep that Japan. concise. Pro Wrestling yeah, NXT, Noah. It's going to happen. Let's, uh, I got some thoughts tried on Pro Wrestling Noah, Noah. Right? I did hear that, but the problem is, is I think... Considering some moves that might happen, um, there might be something else going on there. I don't know. Uh-oh. I'm waiting here. Uh, Minoru Suzuki might be moving around. Whoa. More on that if you listen to that Patreon podcast. But it's too hot for here. 
Subscribe over at Patreon.cool for nine ninety nine, and you get Trace and Owen talking about King of Pro Wrestling. Damn right you do. It's pretty good. Elsewhere, over on our various networks of podcasts, if you are a listener to the regu- all the other zone casts out there, uh, if you like I'd Rather Not, our stupid comedy show that we do, boy, Oscar and I sure did a fucking thing for Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. What the fuck? It's really good. What the fuck? So, yeah, uh, as you may know... Sometimes, when usually when we only have two people that can do an episode of I'd Rather Not in a week, we don't do that, and we just do some other dumb random offshoot podcast. So this time, we did the second episode of our medical advice show, Dr. Doctor. Doctor. What the fuck? If you That's not cool. That's not cool. If you want to hear uh, Oscar and I give you great medical advice about what to do if you... Uh, have toilet paper with semen on it or the study of glory holes uh tune into the i'd rather not feed this week over at zonecast.com friday morning it'll be great uh that doesn't i'm searching for the tai chi theme music right now after hearing that what the hell and then of course and then of course next week we got heel turn on monday owen watched wwe backstage and he has a bunch of thoughts about it he subjected oscar and i to a little bit of it on on audio that was weird (laughs) (laughs) that did happen Seth Rollins sure keeps making fucking poor decisions on Twitter and life and in general, and will undoubtedly talk about that because fucking Christ, he needs to log off. And unfortunately for me, there will, of course, be a new episode of SmackDown and Raw that we'll have to discuss. Yes, there will be. I'm so sorry, John. But you know what the good part about having to do all of that is, Trace? What's that? It means that after I do that, then in two days, I get to come back here and talk about good wrestling with you and Oscar. Here. Oh, that's so wonderful. On Heel Alternative, the most posy podcast in the world of professional wrestling. Thank you all for tuning in to episode three, everybody. And of course, you know, hey, you like us, send us like some love. Like, you know, let us know what you think about these episodes. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, what we could change. You know, we're still trying to figure all this out as we figure out going live and doing all this stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Until then, uh, I don't know. Y'all want to plug your stuff? Uh, sure. I am Peace Egg on Twitter. That is P-S-E-G at P-S-E-G on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash Peace Egg. That's P-E-A-C-E-G-T. And mixer.com slash Peace Egg. Tomorrow on Thursday, or rather, whenever you're getting this, uh, it'll probably be that night if you're listening to this first thing. Otherwise, Thursdays, I play Fortnite with Owen. And somehow I don't kill him. He just whines that I'm not saving him. That's kind of killing him. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying sometimes it, it might be intentional. Sometimes sometimes he, he deserves to get got. Look, he's just had it coming. He, he just had it coming. Oscar, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Osaga the Great. Instagram, at Osaga the Great. TikTok, at Osaga the Great. If you look up Osaga the Great on any social media site, odds are it's me. And, of course, I have been your host, John Garekski-Maxwell. You can find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including... Uh, Twitter at I am John GM, uh, Instagram at I am John GM, Twitch at video underscore shames, uh, at I am John GM.com. If you want to look at my voiceover reel and hire me to be a voice actor, maybe webmd.doctor. If you want to go to a website that I'm currently fighting with my credit card company to get my money back for. 
115 fucking dollars. Uh, did you plug your Venmo already? Because you should probably plug it again. Venmo and I am John. I need... Give me back that money if, if in case TD Bank doesn't. Pay the man. Pay the man. This has been episode three of the greatest podcast on the internet, according to someone, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out next week. Episode three of Heal Alternative until next Wednesday. Y'all come back now, you hear? podcast was brought to you by the zonecast network executive produced by owen douglas visit zonecast.com for more shows 